Grab your notebooks, grab your pens and pencils. Today we are going to be doing a little math and probability with playoff odds here on Locked on Flames. Your Locked on Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Locked on Flames. My name is Jess Belmosto, joined with Nick Zararis, and today we are going to be doing a little math, but today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, so make sure to go check them out on the official sportsbook of the NFL. And uh, yeah, so today we're going to talk about some probability you're going to want to learn all these odds, and especially when we get down to some fan duel props, odds, and bets, we're going to quiz you on this stuff. So, Nick, we are almost to the all-star break. Yes. How are you feeling about the league, the division, and the Flames? So the league is kind of settling to a point now where we have a pretty good grip on who is and isn't a playoff team. Right now, it's more so about the order. There are a few teams that are pretty close to playoff spots, like Buffalo in the East is outside looking in and has an okay chance with the amount of games they have left. Mm-hmm. Minnesota in the West, um, Nashville in the West is not that far out of those second wild card spots. But for the most part, we've kind of eliminated a lot of the fat. We kind of know who is and isn't going to be at least in the conversation of making the playoffs and who's going to be in a position to add at the deadline, which is really the first benchmark of this second half of the season is when we can start looking at teams that we can loot for players to fill out the rest of our teams with. That's kind of one of my favorite exercises. I'll do that at some point during the All-Star break. Look through that 9-10 team those bottom nine or 10 teams look who's on expiring contracts and put together a list for a couple different teams to see who can add because that's where we're at now Uh, i know we always say teams like to wait as long as possible to stay around but aside from maybe the blues who have really long odds to get back into the playoff odds we know who's selling for the most Mm -hmm. part now yeah absolutely and I saw something yesterday that said the Blues have the worst save percentage in the league. Yes. And that makes me very happy. We are just big anti-Blues people here on Locked on Flames. But the Flames. Yes. How does does their playoff projection look? How, like... It's really complicated because the problem with this conversation is... Everybody who has a playoff model calculates it differently. The sports books have an entirely different way of calculating who they like to make the playoffs and who they don't. When I was looking earlier this morning on FanDuel, they have 12, 11 teams with positive odds in the Western, excuse me, with favored odds of making the playoffs. Of course, that's impossible. Only eight teams make the playoffs. And then when you go and look on websites like HockeyViz, on MoneyPuck, those websites have entirely different criteria for calculating what is and isn't a playoff team. Like, 
Hockey Viz has the Flames at 66%. Money Puck has the Flames at, where is it, 96%. It's very different based on where you look. And on FanDuel, the Flames are minus 430 to make the playoffs. So a pretty strong favorite to make the playoffs, even though they're in one of the wild card spots and there's a couple teams that are right there with them mm -hmm. in a very congested Western Conference. Yeah, no, I think that that's kind of one of the more interesting sides of this, especially as we do see more people kind of dipping their toes into the advanced stats or probability, I guess, of, yeah. you know, things is everyone has their own formula. Yeah. And um, I will never have one. I'm not a math person. I'm sure you could come up with something that would be I don't know. You seem more like a math person than than me. I've It's been a long time since I would say I was good at math. I think the last time I was actually good at math was like sixth grade. That was the yeah. last time like I was actively like, okay, I can get 100 on this test pretty much every single time. Once they started with the algebra yep. and the complicated algebra, then I was kind of cooked. Like, I had to take intro to stats twice in college, but here I am looking at linear regressions pretty much every single day. Yeah. So, it, yeah. But, and to your point about this, yes, every website has a different statistical model for calculating the individual stats that they use that go into their playoff probability models. Mm -hmm. Certain websites weigh things more, that certain things are more valuable than others. It's why you get different expected goals numbers. It's why you get different war statistics because every website calculates things a little bit differently. And that is where you, as a, a sports fan, can get a fuller scope, a fuller breadth of ideas because there's so much information out there. Now, it's hard to determine what information is and isn't valuable, but over time you can start to gather who is good at this and who isn't? I mean, somebody always keeps track of this. And then I haven't even mentioned Dom at the athletics model. He has one that's separate from these guys. So yeah, there's a ton of information out there and it's really interesting. It's useful for framing these types of conversations because no one really knows yet, which is part of the fun of this conversation. We're all guessing based on what's already happened. Mm -hmm. And what's already happened isn't a guarantee of what's going to happen. That's where you have descriptive versus predictive statistics. Descriptive statistics describe what's already happened, whereas predictive statistics forecast what is going to happen based on what's already happened. There's a lot to unpack in this conversation, and we still have, we still got to talk about basically every team in the Pacific, Sam, the <laughs> bottom three. Yeah, so, you know, I hope you're all ready in, in writing this down because this will be on the test. We will give the test tomorrow. But, um, you know, let's dive into the Pacific after we do our wonderful break brought to you by FanDuel. We are so excited because they are new sports betting partner for Locked On because they are the number one sports book in America. And that is FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Listen, if I can understand it and it's math and numbers with letters, because, you know, you got the team letters, then, then you'll be fine. You'll all be fine. But new customers can join today and get started with 150 bonus dollars in free bets guaranteed when you put down your first five dollars and you just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on i will probably be placing i know i know they're not the favorites but you know 
Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals because I am just a sucker for the white boy of the century. Nick, who are you betting on? Um, the line moved. Originally, Cincinnati was a road favorite by about a point and a half, and then everybody saw that Mahomes practiced yesterday and his mm-hmm. ankle isn't as hurt as everyone forecasted it to be. That line swung in uh, Kansas City's direction. I will probably bet something like the like Cincinnati money line because it's only going to be within a point and a half, two points of the spread, and you'll get a little more value on the money line. And then props are my favorite thing to bet on because then you have something to actively root for. I'll probably do something like Travis Kelsey receptions and maybe yeah. something like Jamar Chase yards, something like that. That's that's what I look for. That's what's fun. Yeah. You know, you just keep rooting for it, and it's exactly. not just one thing. It's something smaller and, yeah. you know, something to watch for, especially if you – aren't emotionally invested in a team you know it's not like you're just excited about the money but head on over to uh fanduel today and sign up and use uh fanduel.com slash locked on to get your bonus oh the pacific division Speaking of our friends at FanDuel, they th- they have the odds in this order. And excuse me while I look at my notes here, but they have the odds to make the playoffs. Seattle has the strongest odds at minus 1,600. So you'd have to bet $1,600 to win $100. Then Vegas at minus 1,100. And then the odds really jump down. You have Minnesota, at, excuse me, you have Calgary at minus 430. You have Minnesota at minus 430. You have the Kings at minus 260. You have St. Louis at plus 500. You have Nashville at plus 174. So the odds are very, they jump very quickly based on their perception, of FanDuel's perception of what's going to happen in the second half of the season. There is an opportunity here. I was talking about this today in my gambling group chat. There is an opportunity here with 11 teams having having um, favored odds to make the playoffs, considering only eight are going to make it, because you got to think about the three teams in the um, Central Division that mm-hmm. aren't in contention for the wild card. So if with 11 teams, that means three aren't going to make it. That means there is value somewhere on that board. Three of those teams will not make the playoffs based purely on the rules. You can't have 11 teams in the playoffs. Right. Oh, boy. Um. So... I think it's safe to say that Seattle has kind of come out of the out of nowhere. Um, we know that this offseason they had really ramped up their uh, roster, you know, especially with re-signing Ryan Donato. It took yeah. some time to get that going, but he wanted to stay and he took uh, less money to stay there. So that's, you know, good for him. I I worry about Nashville. They've been good the last couple of weeks. They're what? They've been eight. They've been eight and four since the new year. I went and wrote down what everybody's been since the new year as kind of an indicator of how they're mm-hmm. playing. Saros is getting hot, which is basically Nashville's formula to be good. Is if Saros is playing like one of the five best goalies in the league, they'll be able to hang around more often than not. To your point about Seattle, I was reading Dom Lachizan's article in the Athletic yesterday about that about what's made Seattle better this year, and they have the deepest forward group in the league. They might not have the best forward group in the league but their one through 12 is easily the best of any in the league because they're playing competent players on their fourth line like ryan donato gets like the 11th most minutes of any forward on that team when you compare that to who gets the 11th most minutes on some other teams around the league mm-hmm. and they have guys like maddie Beniers who's been great out of the gate that made a difference they added oliver bjorkstrand who's mm-hmm. made quite a difference to that group they've got a really deep group they don't have any elite 
players on that team, but they've got really solid, a really solid group that in the regular season, that will play. Come to playoffs, they're going to have a hard time because other teams are going to just have better guys, frankly. They're going to be able to exploit certain matchups where, like, say they play the Avalanche. They're going to look to get McKinnon and Rantanen out there against certain groups. And that'll be the problem. Well, I'm curious to see how this team build of no goaltending and all forwards goes going into the playoffs. But Seattle... Seattle has the math on their side. They're well over 90% to make the playoffs in pretty much every statistical model. That's pretty good considering the Flames jump from like 66 to 96. Yeah. And, you know, I just, I, I, I do think the Flames will make the playoffs. I think, you know, whether it's a wild card spot or not. I think more than likely it end up it probably will end up being a wild card spot. I mean they're what? They're five back of LA for the third spot in oh, the division. No. Edmonton is ahead of them. Edmonton has been really good since the start of the new year. Edmonton seven two and two since the new year. They're gonna add a Vander Kane back in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. They're gonna trade for a defenseman, which they've been linked to a few different guys. I, none of them good, which I think that's very ironic that every single year the Oilers get linked to people at the deadline and no is actually good but they fit archetypes and like narratives as opposed to just being good but yeah the oilers seem to have gotten out of that funk they're fully riding Stuart skinner as their starter they they need another guy uh evander kane will do some of that offensively but they need at least one more defenseman yeah absolutely Uh, have you seen the flames link to anyone have you heard any rumblings it's so early. That's the problem. I mean, I, Daily Faceoff did their what the Flames need, and they mm-hmm. said a sixth defenseman and one more forward, which is what we've said for yeah. about a month now. That it's pretty obvious that they can't keep doing the rotating door, the revolving door at sixty to play with Zadorov, and they need one more forward for the top nine so they can put Lucic on the fourth line or just put Lucic in the press box altogether. That's what they need. I mean, maybe it's Peltier, maybe it's him. He can be that top nine forward, but that's a little bit. That's a bit of a stretch for me to see them coming to the conclusion that he can go from seven minutes a night to getting power play time and playing in the top nine. Yeah. They'll add. They're almost certainly going to add. But there, there's a lot more to talk about. I, and we've talked about this more than once, that the environment mm-hmm. is what's helping the Flames, not so much the Flames' performance. That everybody in the West being so jumbled up is really helping them. Definitely. Uh, who are, Who did you say was on that list as well is it seattle which we talked about la la is an interesting one la is 78 percent on hockey viz la is 71 percent on money puck so that's a discrepancy because um it's the opposite for the flames the flames are a lot higher on money puck than they are on hockey viz and that's in part because money puck values Corsi a lot in Corsi mm. for the, for those who aren't familiar, Corsi's just scoring chances. It, it, that it's just the person who came up with the statistic. The last name was Corsi. It, it's just scoring chances. The flames are always going to be one of the best teams in the league at Corsi because they generate a high volume of scoring chances. It doesn't necessarily mean they're good scoring chances. That is where hockey viz, why hockey viz dings them a little bit yeah. because they don't generate a ton of quality offense. That's why there's such a discrepancy between those two models specifically. The Kings, on the other hand, they're they're an interesting group. They're pretty good defensively, okay forward group, Mm -hmm. but they're still... 
they're really riding a couple of guys heavily. Like, Fiala's been good. Kopitar, always consistent. The Drew Doughty renaissance was not something I was forecasting coming into the no. season, but Doughty's been very good. They've gone down to their third goaltender in their organizational depth chart, and they've gotten something out of him. It's a really interesting team. I still don't think they're particularly good. I just think mm -hmm. they happen to be a decent team in a mediocre Western Conference, the Kings. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think if you're able to skate by with your third string goaltender uh, during the regular season, okay, good for you. But I, I feel like they're still a young team that's missing the discipline, that's missing just any sort of they just need to tighten up their game. I think that they're very capable of making a lot of mistakes that these older teams can capitalize on and take advantage of. And we, we've seen that. We've seen that with the Flames playing them. And, I mean, it's incredible that their third-string goaltender has them, you know, the playoff spot, held yeah. them up. Yeah. But, again, like you said – it would this be working in the east no absolutely not no and to your point about this this is what happened in that series in the first round last year against the oilers they mm -hmm. made a couple mistakes they the oilers hung around and granted the oilers should have probably won that series in five or six games they made their fair share of mistakes as well but when it came down to it Connor mcdavid said we're not losing and that's what happened in that series the kings don't have a guy who can do that i granted there's maybe three guys in the whole league who can say just follow me and we'll win this game but in that kind of situation yeah the kings are an okay team but other than them, I mean, Edmonton is still kind of figuring it out. We talked about them. They'll get a Vander Kane back relatively soon. That'll help their forward group, but they need mm -hmm. another defenseman. Vegas has kind of been in a funk since the start of the new year. I think they're four, what, four and six? Uh, four, five, and one since the new year started. And they've been dinged up a little bit. Mark Stone, always a little injured. Jack Eichel's been dealing with, I think, a shoulder injury. They're a little bit dinged up. They're riding a goalie who's never made more than 30 starts at the NHL level in a calendar year they're relying on heavily on four defensemen mm -hmm. and three forward lines really hard to play with a fourth line that plays less than 10 minutes a night a third pair that only gets about 11 minutes a night it's just really taxing and especially on an older group like vegas is there aren't any really that, that's an old team you, you think about how it's been assembled it mm -hmm. it's an older group that's worn out but they're good I, I i think it's pretty safe to say vegas and seattle are locks after that though is where it starts to get into the conversation of who can jump up to what spot yeah absolutely and you know i think we can talk about that next here on locked on flames and thank you everyone for joining us uh as always you can follow the show on youtube at locked on flames and find us on any podcast streaming platform i i'm happy for vegas but bruce cassidy alone that's it just bruce cassidy I saw his comments about Jack Eichel underperforming, and I do wonder if that has to do with his injury. It's possible. That's also... Yeah. 
everybody's different. I, I feel like Cassidy at least has a decent understanding of like what buttons to push with what guy. I feel mm -hmm. like for a guy like Eichel, that might be the way to get him to respond is being like, I thought you were good, bro. What's wrong? And yeah, that's pissing true. him off into playing better. Everybody's different with that, but generally speaking, when a coach like directly says something like that, that means the coach knows that's the way to get through to that person. Because generally speaking, I'm against that type of thing. I'm very much a let's be positive. We know Jack can be good. Eventually, he'll be fine. I'm more of a proponent of that. But if Cassidy knows that's what works with Jack, by all means, you're the yeah. you know you have the relationship. You know what that guy needs. I think Vegas is fine. Then we start getting into the category where you're with Calgary, Minnesota, Nashville. Those are the three teams that are really going to be fighting for that second wild card spot. Because I think no matter what, the Oilers are going to be one of the two wild cards, and then more than likely the Flames will end up being one of the two wild cards mm -hmm. and not Minnesota or Nashville. But Minnesota's been playing well since the start of the new year. I know they've healthy scratched Matt Dumba the last couple games. That might be in hopes of facilitating a trade and getting something else that they need. They've been okay in that. Marc-Andre Fleury's been better since, I would say, mid-December. He's kind of gotten out of that early season funk that was derailing the Wild and my fantasy hockey team. So, <laughs> hey, man, I drafted him, Markstrom, and Jeremy Swayman as my three goalies on that one team. And I thought I was going to be fine. And Swayman's yeah. been the backup to Olmark all year. Markstrom has had a tough go of it, and Flurry yeah. had a really tough go of it the first half of the season. But yeah, <laughs> that's brutal. Yeah. Hey man, no. I I thought that, and I never draft goalies in fantasy hockey. I always wait to the end and say I'm gonna get as many. The the reason my team that in that league is still good is because I have five of the top thirty players. I have McDavid. Yeah. I have Jason Robertson. I have Eric Carlson. I have Rasmus Dahlin and, and um, Rupe Hints. I have five of the top thirty guys in the entire league, so I'm fine having bad goalies. But I thought I was gonna have the best goalie trio in the league, which is upsetting. Yeah. No, I remember someone drafting. Markstrom in like the first or second round and I was like this is this is my worst nightmare yeah why did someone no y'all can take him <laughs> that's fine yeah that is perfectly fine I think I ended up with Ottinger which is yeah. even better so you know the Flames like out of those three teams I do think that the Flames are the best I'd agree uh, with that I think that they are in a much better position than Nashville because Nashville does this weird thing where they don't have any forwards really uh their their defensive group definitely helps with yes. the offensive uh play a lot more i mean you have roman yossi and matt Shane and you know uh philip forsberg listen i think he is the only forward on that team that is worth something uh, Duchesne's not bad. Uh, they could sure use Eli Tolvanen. I, 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 I yeah. still, oh my they, God, I they, they, I'm sure that team, I'm sure there's like a solid 29, 30 teams that could use <laughs> Eli Tolvanen, but hey. I just, that whole thing is so weird. So weird, weird to me. It's so hockey. Yeah. It's, because you, you know, you try him in different spots in your system and it just doesn't work, but then he can go play for someone else and be good. Perfect. 
Yeah, no, he, I think he has 10 goals, 11 goals since getting to Seattle. He's been a very useful piece for them. One of the reasons they have one of the deepest forward groups in the league is they were able to just drop a guy who could get you 15. I mean, yeah. realistically, when you're thinking about your roster construction, you want everybody to be able to score at least 10. That's a forward. On a good team, every forward scores at least 10 goals. If your third line is contributing 50 goals, your fourth line is contributing 30 goals, that's a really good team. That is a really good team. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that Nashville is kind of struggling in that aspect. Definitely. For sure. I think that even the Wild, um, I think for the Wild, they never know if they're a good team or if they're a bad team. They're always kind of in the middle. And similar to the Flames, I, I don't think that they have an identity because they really haven't proven themselves. The Wild have an identity. It's Kirill, skate with the puck until someone else is open. That is what yeah. the Wild's identity is. It's our best player is one of the 10 best players in the league, and uh, he'll skate in circles until someone gets open. That That is their identity. That's fair. I don't that's know. That's not really an identity, granted. No. That's not... That's not that's not a long-term sustainable plan, having <laughs> your best player just do everything. I mean, I read today that they're going to scratch Ryan Hartman against the Flyers for some reason. Uh, Ryan Hartman pocketed 30 goals last year. That was kind of an outlier, like, crazy thing, but yeah. Ryan Hartman's a useful player. They're, they're in a weird spot because they are trying to meld younger guys onto an older group, and that mm. older group is still kind of hanging on, but they're not good enough to really break through beyond maybe a f second round exit but mm -hmm. they're okay. I, I, I think the Wild will end up being the biggest competition the Flames have for that second wild card spot. I think Absolutely. Nashville has the potential for it, and that's only if Saros stays as hot as he's been the last couple of weeks. That's really the only path right. forward for Nashville. So if you're thinking just head-to-head -head against the Wild, I would say the Flames are a deeper team. They've got more depth than the Wild do. The Wild are relying on just two, three guys to do a bulk of their important things, whereas the Flames, on a good night, they have a really good top nine, and they've got... Four really good defensemen. We haven't talked about Chris Tanev, who's going to be out at least two weeks, but at least he's only going to miss these two games, and then he's got the week off for the All-Star break, and then I don't think they play till the Tuesday of the week after the All-Star break weekend. So this is a good, there's never a good time for a player to get hurt, especially one as important as Chris Tanev, but it coming at a point where they're about to go into break, that definitely does help. Yeah, definitely. I think that the Flames kind of lucked out yeah. quote unquote here because you know you do have the benefit of the all-star break like you said and i mean maybe this puts some sort of urgency for them to really to, look at yeah. what's available and i know it, like you said it's still early but and those are still valuable points on the table that the team that the flames really need to take advantage of and it's you know People talk about, oh, well, like, you had to go to overtime. Points are points. Yeah. I don't care. That's the thing. It's different for every team, but for a team like the Flames that's thoroughly in the mix for a wild card spot, every point does matter. If you're a good team, like if you're the Rangers, you're the Devils, you're one of those teams that's trying to get to the two seed, so you have home ice in the first round, mm -hmm. that's where you can be greedy and say, we need two points every night. But for a team like the Flames that's in a wild card spot, one point 
ain't going to keep you one point over the course of the second half won't keep you in the mix. That was another thing I looked up just based on point percentage, what they would end mm -hmm. up with in the second half. If the flames played at their pace that they played in the first prior to today, not including obviously, because we're recording this Thursday afternoon, they still have to play the Blackhawks tonight and they play Seattle tomorrow. If they play at the pace they've played up to this point, they would get 39 points in the second half, and that would put them at a 94 points, which that's a little low. Generally speaking, you're, you want high 90s, 100 points is definitely a playoff team. You, if you get to 94 and you don't make it, that means someone probably leapfrogged you. That means Minnesota leapfrogged them if they don't make the playoffs with 94 points. Yeah, and you know, this team does weird things on back-to-backs. I feel yes. like they underperform in the first game, and then they come out in the second game looking like they just they have had like a week off. And I feel like that's the exact opposite of how most teams play, but whatever. I'll, again, I'll take two points, especially against a Pacific Division team that yes. is on fire. You're not looking to catch them. You're just looking to to steal points. Exactly. And I never I didn't think, you know, in my early prediction in my early season predictions when uh, you know, early October, late September when I was doing those that this would be a position the Flames would be in. I thought that they were going to be much better than this, but again, Everyone did. Yeah. It's all about managing those expectations. They're not at the bottom with Vancouver. Or the Sharks. So be grateful. That's, yes. that's all you can say and do. So the one thing I will say about that, that they're on pace for 39 points, that does include, you know, that they had the absolutely awful November. They had the brutal November where they lost seven in a row. I don't expect, and granted, this could be, you know, I'm knocking on my desk right now, but I don't imagine they'll go on another seven, eight game losing streak at any point in the second half of the season. So you can probably, you can, <laughs> for our sake, I hope not. You can probably <laughs> estimate that they'll probably clear 40 points in the second half. They'll probably play, they were a what a 573 point percentage team in the first half if you can creep that up to around 600 point yeah. percentage th that'll get you your 100 points in the standings and you'll be a playoff team for sure you clear 100 points in the west you're a playoff team 100 percent. yeah that's that's very easy i feel like i don't want to say easy to do but like in the west it's, I feel it's like... feasible it's not yeah. that it's easy it's reasonable it's doable that's yeah. th that's the point you're trying to make yeah yes Thank you. Uh, I just, I really hope that we don't have to go through another November because that was brutal for this team and recording. <laughs> but uh, I saw something, I believe it was Ryan Pike. It was before the Columbus game. And he said, you know, he was comparing the December point percentage or win percentage. And it was like a five something and then since the new year it had been like a 614 yeah and that's a big difference very much so i, I, I think, and like yeah. and like we just said i think the flames are closer to the team they've been since about christmas than mm -hmm. they were to the team prior to christmas Absolutely. prior to christmas there was a lot more we still need to figure out our lineup there was a lot more line juggling and right now there's still things they need to sort out they've been juggling that fourth line but not the lineup as a whole they they right. found a top nine that they feel relatively comfortable with which is a big step i mean that's the bulk of your team is your top nine yeah absolutely and you know 
They're called fourth line grinders for a reason because they're just out there doing some cardio. They're out there just eating minutes so your top nine can rest. And I I am interested to see if Rizichka does find his spot back in the lineup. I think it's deserved. I think all the stats kind of prove that it's, you know, deserved as well. I think his in the eye test. But if it means giving Pelletier more minutes, that's fine. Yeah. I'll take that right now. But I hope after the All-Star break and closer to the deadline, this team is able to really situate themselves and stabilize. I was going to say, to your point about that, this is the time to figure it out. Because if he can stick in that top nine, that's one less thing you got to trade for. Then you can focus all of your resources on getting that extra defenseman. Or if you want a specific Mm -hmm. skill set forward, like you want a faster guy, you want someone who can kill penalties, whatever. You can focus on that as opposed to a more general, we just need one more top nine forward. This is the point where you need to figure that out because you have a month. The trade deadline Mm -hmm. is March 3rd. We are in the last week of January now. It's time to figure out if you need to go out and get somebody or if you have your in-house answer yeah absolutely and i'll be interested to see who comes calling and what they're looking for if they're looking for anything from us i can offer you a milan lucic expiring contract and maybe trevor lewis actually i don't really hate trevor lewis he's trevor lewis is fine he's He's been a good fourth line center yeah so all right it makes daryl happy and he yeah. makes Daryl happy. It we got to give Daryl a bone. We got to give Daryl a bone every now and then because we can't just dictate every part of the lineup. No. And he did sound a lot happier in a press conference yesterday. So, you know what? I'll take that compared yeah. to his, you know, snide comments, even if they're jokes and they're not landing, but it's okay. Uh, thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today on Locked on Flames. As always, you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts as well as YouTube at Locked on Flames. Come hang out with us in the comment section, as long as you're being nice, please. And, of course, on Twitter at LO underscore Flames Pod, as well as our personal accounts at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zeraris. Just be responsible online and with gambling. Um, Yes. Please. I don't want to be responsible for anything. And I will see y'all tomorrow for winners and losers of the week because who doesn't love dogging on someone and also lifting someone up? All right. Have a good Thursday, everyone.